Jesus, we thank you that you're, um, you're here with us this morning. Thank you for the, the gift of your presence and your spirit uh, in this place. Thank you that you, uh, you want to say uh, good and true things to us, that uh, no matter how our, our week's been, no matter what we've filled it with, Jesus, you want to speak to us this morning. Why don't you just take uh, a second now and uh, tell God the area of your life that you want him to speak into. Where is it that you need to know uh, the hope and the life of Jesus? Maybe you're uh, a fresher and at the start of term feels overwhelming. Maybe you're coming back for a second year. Maybe you've had a hard uh, week at work or at home. Let's just bring that now before God and ask him to speak into it. Jesus, we know that you want to bring um, hope and life wherever we go and wherever we are. So we ask that you would, uh, you would speak to us this morning, Jesus. You know uh, the desires of our hearts. You know where we need to be uh, revived and refreshed. So we bring that to you this morning. We ask that you would uh, bring that uh, comfort to us through your words. Amen. Jesus was a storyteller. Uh, Jesus told lots of stories throughout his ministry. Uh, Jesus tells stories about camels creeping through the eyes of needles. Jesus tells stories about uh, a man who has a speck in his eye but tries to remove the plank from someone else's. Jesus tells stories about the power and the strength of mustard seed, about what happens if you put too much yeast in a loaf of bread. Jesus tells stories. He talks about husbands and wives and fathers and sons. Jesus is the most incredible storyteller. Uh, And Jesus tells stories that hint at a different way of living. Uh, He tells stories that show that there is a a better story being told, Uh, a story that helps us to lift our eyes up from the the difficulties and the hardships in front of us and reminds us that God has an ultimate plan, that God wants to bring hope and life and healing and joy to this world. The stories that Jesus tells us uh, point from this world to the world that's yet to come, to the coming of the kingdom of God, but he also reminds us that we don't have to wait for that kingdom to come at the end of time, but we can enjoy it today. Jesus tells stories that point to a new world. And the new world and the new life that Jesus points to, the kingdom of God, is beyond words. Our own limited language can't begin to explain and express the limitless reality of the kingdom of God. And so Jesus uses stories to tell us. The only part of us that isn't limited is our imagination, our ability to picture things and imagine things. And so Jesus tells us stories that will speak to our imagination, that will help us uh, understand the reality that God is trying to bring, the things that he's trying to do. Uh, The series of parables we're we're about to look at uh, over the next sermon series, uh, lots of them begin with phrases like, the kingdom is a little bit like, the kingdom feels like, the kingdom sounds like. The kingdom looks like this. It looks like a mustard seed. It looks like a man sowing seed in a field. The kingdom of God is a little bit like. Uh, And Jesus talks in parables as well because he he wants to get the people to lean in. Sometimes um, when I'm speaking from the stage, I I can tell that people aren't always completely engaged. Sometimes they're sat playing on their phones. Welcome, Dave. Sometimes people... Service plan. Gosh, he's very efficient. It's it's incredible. (laughs) Sometimes people are are sat playing on their phones or they're kind of looking around, wondering what kind of shopping they're going to get or their plans for their afternoon. And people don't always look as engaged as I think maybe they should be. 
because I'm trying to do an excellent job. Uh, but, but I know that if I tell you a story, then everyone kind of leans in. Everyone kind of hangs on and they want to hear what, what I'm about to talk about, that the narrative I'm going to tell and what the ending is going to be. People love to hear stories. Stories give us a, hello, stories give us a, a window into other people's lives. Uh, we, we love to watch reality TV programs because that helps us see what life is, well some of us do, that helps us see what, it's terrible taste some of us, but people like to see what, what life is like for other people. Uh, we want to, to get a window in on their story. Uh, we want to see what, what it looks like and feels like to be living in that situation, in that moment, and in that time. One of my favorite uh, times of the day when I was uh, younger at school was that my, um, was the teacher would get her chair from behind her desk and she would wheel it into the corner of the classroom. Uh, and she would gather everyone around her chair and she would begin to tell us a story. I used to love story time because it would uh, give uh, me and my classmates permission to, to dream and go on wild adventures, to hear about dragons and knights and uh, princesses locked in tall towers. Uh, we would love to hear stories because that would spark and that would fire our imagination. Jesus tells stories because uh, he wants us to dream and imagine. He wants us to lift our eyes up from the things that are going on right in front of us and to recognize that there's uh, another reality. It's called the kingdom of God and he wants to bring it here and now. These parables contain deep truths. Often we talk about stories and we hear about stories and we think that stories are for little children. We think that stories are simplistic and naive uh, and that really as uh, as grown-ups we should be talking uh, in kind of long discussions and we should have a different kind of conversation. We don't need stories. But, But Jesus tells us stories and he hides some of his deepest truths in them. I think my um. My favorite story, my favorite story that Jesus tells, uh, contains the entirety of the gospel message in it. But because Jesus put it in a story, it it feels different somehow. Uh, It helps me to connect emotionally and relate to it. It's called the story of the prodigal son. Uh, Jesus tells a story uh, about a son who rebels against his father, uh, who decides he doesn't want to live under the rule of his father, uh, and so he goes off and he rebels and he lives his own life. Uh, And he gets caught up in his own filth. We get caught up in our own sin, our own mess. And it's a bit like living in a pigsty. Uh, But after a while, we we realize that we don't want to live in a pigsty anymore. And what's more, we don't have to live in a pigsty anymore because our father is rich. Rich beyond our wildest dreams. Uh, And so we we come up with a plan. And the plan is that if we don't want to live in a pigsty anymore, what we'll do is we'll we'll leave. uh, And we'll go and we'll walk towards our father. Uh, And along the way, we we think maybe if we wash the dishes, maybe we can become a servant in his house. And maybe we can earn our way back into his affections. Maybe we can earn our way, earn our keep, get a bed and a room. That that life doesn't have to be as difficult and as hard as it was before. And we think we can earn it. But but we don't know that the father is stood at the top of the building looking for us. That the day that we left, he went to the top of the building and he looked for us. And he didn't stop looking. And we were gone days and weeks and months and years. But the father never stopped looking for the child that left. And when the father sees the son appearing on the distance, he goes and he he grabs the finest robes that he has and he hitches up his clothes and he runs to his son. While we're still trying to come up with our own scripts, our own narratives, trying to work out how we'll earn our way, how we'll make ourselves good enough, the Father runs to us, he runs to his children, uh, and he wipes every tear from us. He, he tells us that he loves us, even though we left him, he loves us, and he throws his finest robe around us. 
and he throws a party. You see, you can put powerful things in stories, can't you? And when we put it in a story, it produces an emotional reaction in us. It, it connects with something deep down inside of us. I, um, I, I kind of run through my talks before I give them. It might not always look like I do, but I promise I do. Uh, and I, I ran this through three times yesterday. Uh, and every time, I, I couldn't get to the end of that story without crying. Because stories produce an emotional reaction in us. Uh, they lift us up from the, the kind of the, the muck and the mire in front of us and remind us that we are eternally loved and we're cared for. There's a bigger story being weaved and told. That's what parables are trying to do. They're trying to help us uh, understand the limitless reality of God. Trying to help us connect to him. Don't dismiss these stories as simple and childish because they contain deep, profound, life-changing, world-reordering truths. we listen closely enough, the parables have the potential to radically change the way that we live and how we view the world. The parables also mark a significant shift in Jesus' teaching and ministry. Uh, Until now, Jesus has been teaching uh, in the synagogues. He's been speaking to religious elites, to professors, to the the educated uh, Uh, Jewish leaders of the time. Uh, And Jesus hasn't been well received in those temples by and large. Uh, They've dismissed his teaching. They don't agree with what he's trying to say. So so Jesus takes his teaching and he moves it from the temples with the educated elite out into the fields. Uh, He goes out to by uh, the side of Lake Galilee, by different seashores, to the small villages, out into the rural areas. Uh, And Jesus talks to the uneducated working class. Uh, And Jesus changes the way that he communicates. That's important. Jesus changes the way that he communicates. He communicated in one way to this group of people, and now he communicates another way to this group of people. If Jesus had spoken at the seaside like he had done at the temple, they might not have understood him. If Jesus had spoken in the temple like he does at the seashore, he would have been laughed out of court. Jesus changes the way that he communicates. Jesus wants to bring life-changing, transforming words to the people of God, and so he changes the way that he communicates. Do you change the way that you communicate when you're telling people about Jesus? Me, um, me and Josh, this is a badly placed speaker, isn't it? Me and, um, it's bad for me anyway. Me and, um, me and Josh went and we spoke. <laughs> He's good to me, isn't he? Jesus, um, not Jesus, Josh. Um, me and, <laughs> it's that, they both have beards, that's the thing. Easily confused. Me, um, me and Josh went and we, we spoke at a seminar um, at a youth camp this summer and we, uh, we diligently removed all of the jargon, all of the turns of phrase that we thought um, the young people wouldn't understand. And we went um, to that uh, seminar thinking that we'd kind of cleaned up our act and that the young people would all understand us. The first bit of feedback we got after the seminar was that we'd spoken in loads of jargon and no one could understand us. <laughs> Sometimes we use turns of phrase and language that we think make sense to the rest of the world, but, but actually they don't because we've become so used to them and so accustomed to them uh, that we forget that actually no one speaks like that in the real world. Uh, we need to communicate uh, the love of Jesus to people in the way that they'll understand. Uh, we need to tell them the gospel that Jesus died for them, that he forgave their sins and that he'll love them uh, without question in a way that they can relate to and they can understand. Uh, We need to take care to take out all of the jargon, all of the sense of shame and condemnation that we can sometimes speak over people uh, and instead speak words of love and grace and kindness that they'll understand. Now often part of that journey, part of that story, uh, is that we need to tell them other things first. The good news of Jesus is that Jesus died on a cross and forgave our sins and rose again. Uh, But there's uh, 
because of that good news, there are other parts of the story that we have permission to tell. Uh, it might be uh, that you speak to someone who's incredibly lonely. Or well, the Bible says that the lonely will be put in families. Uh, so the good news to that person in that moment uh, is that you don't need to be alone anymore. And obviously at some point we tell them that Jesus died and rose again, but, but that we need to communicate hope to them, the hope of Jesus, uh, in a way that they'll understand. Uh, if someone uh, is really insecure and uncertain, uh, then we need to tell them that Jesus thinks that they have incredible value and incredible worth and that he loves them before they've even got out of bed in the morning. And of course we tell them that Jesus died and rose again, but that, that sometimes there are other things we need to communicate to them so they have a sense of the character and the nature of God, that he's loving, that he's hope-filled, and that he, he wants to be in a relationship with them. So as we go through this sermon series, I want you to ask yourself, uh, are you communicating the love of God to people uh, in a way that they can understand? Uh, have you taken out uh, all of the jargon, all of the terms of phrase that you use without even thinking about it? When you tell people about Jesus, can they understand it? And are you speaking to their deepest needs? If someone's lonely, they need to know they've got a family. If someone doesn't, doesn't think they're worth anything, they need to know that they're loved and held beyond their wildest dreams, that Jesus wants to be in a relationship with them. Uh, we need to be communicating God to them in a way that they can understand. Jesus spoke in stories because he wanted to engage people. Jesus had a, a compelling message, so he communicated it uh, in a way that fitted it. Do you communicate uh, the love of God to people in a way uh, that makes they, means they actually want to follow him, that inspires them to live differently? But before we can uh, begin to communicate the love of God to people, uh, we need to know for ourselves that we can trust Jesus, that Jesus is uh, good and true, that he's worth holding on to. Uh, I want to take uh, just a little bit of time to, to go through the passage this morning. Um, but I was, um, I was at my fiancé's. I was at my fiancé's. I would do it a third time, but it gets kind of lame, doesn't it? I, would, <laughs> I was at my fiancé's church last weekend, uh, and someone from the front said that uh, in the Western church, we are more educated than we are activated. Let me explain. In the Western church, we know lots of stuff. Uh, we know uh, right answers, we can have, uh, have a good Bible study, we can have lots of really good conversation, uh, but often that, that knowledge stays in our heads and it doesn't transform the way that we live, so we're not activated um, to live out of the love and compassion of God. So I'm going to uh, explain some of this uh, story to us. I think it's quite a simple, straightforward, beautiful story. Uh, but then I'm going to give us uh, some space just to allow the Spirit of God to meet with us so that what we're talking about today doesn't stay up in our heads, but it helps us to live differently as a result. So that the parable that Jesus tells us today is the parable of the sower. Uh, and he talks about a man who goes out and sows good seed into a good field. Uh, and the good, good man sows good seed into the good field, but uh, he goes to sleep and his servants go to sleep as well. Uh, and in the middle of the night, uh, an enemy, an enemy of the sower comes and he sows weeds into the fields. No one realizes at first what's happened, but after a few weeks and months, uh, the wheat starts to spring up uh, and the weeds spring up alongside it and the servants realize what's happened. Uh, and the servants go to the master and they say, they say Master, sower, uh, we've noticed that there are weeds and wheat growing in the same field. And they, they say, do you want us to go and uproot all of the weeds? Do you want us to go and pull up uh, all of the weeds so that there'll now just be wheat living in your field and growing? But the sower is too clever for that. The, the sower understands uh, what plants need and how plants flourish best. And it, the sower says to the servants, if you go and pull up the weeds, then uh, below the surface, the wheat and the weeds roots are knotted together. 
So, so you'll be trying to pull up the weeds, but you'll also pull up the wheat as well, and then the whole harvest will be ruined. So the sower says, let's wait a while. Uh, let's wait until harvest day, until the weeds and the wheat have reached their full height, uh, and then we'll cut it down. And at that point, we'll begin to sort the wheat and the weeds out. Jesus goes on and he tells um, some different stories along the way. He talks about uh, different stories that point to the kingdom of God, but there's something about uh, the story of the weeds and the wheats that fascinates the disciples. Uh, They decide that they have to know more. Uh, The passage uh, picks up and it says, Then Jesus left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the meaning of the weeds and the wheat in the fields. Explain to us the meaning of the weeds and the wheat in the fields. Uh, they pursue Jesus. Uh, they don't understand what Jesus is saying, so they say, Jesus, explain it to us. Uh, this is a model for us about questioning God, about when we don't understand, what, what, um, we don't understand a, a part of the Bible, we don't understand what we think God's saying to us. There's an invitation here to pursue Jesus, to question. Uh, and as they question and they pursue Jesus... Jesus responds to them. I'd I'd wager if the disciples hadn't pursued Jesus, if they hadn't followed him and questioned him, then they might not have got the understanding that they wanted. But because they question and because they pursue Jesus, uh, Jesus responds and tells them. Uh, And he replies like this, that the parable is simple. This parable is really about a coming kingdom and an enemy that wages war against that kingdom. Uh, It's about uh, a God, a sower, who who is sowing life and light and love into the world, and about an enemy who comes and tries to unpick everything that God is trying to do. Uh, It's about um, servants who grow impatient. It sounds like the church, doesn't it? Servants who grow impatient uh, with the evil that's in the world, who can see all the weeds and see all the evil, uh, and they get frustrated at it. I wonder if you're frustrated about the evil that's going on in Calais now as people don't have homes. And maybe there's areas in your life where you're frustrated and you're irritated and you can see that there's evil going on. Uh, You can see that all isn't as it should be. That life isn't like you think God would want it to be. Uh, And you're frustrated and you want to take it into your own hands. You don't understand why God isn't doing what you think God should be doing. Maybe there's an area in your life which is difficult and hard and, and it feels like there's weeds and wheat growing in the same field and you want to go and you want to pull up the weeds. The servants in this passage feel the same as you do. But the sower understands. The sower sees more than we see. We only see in part. We don't see the full picture, but the sower sees everything. And the sower says, wait. Because the sower knows that there is a final reckoning coming. There is a final sorting out of the wheat and the weeds, a final sorting out of good and evil. There will be a time when the sower comes uh, and he takes, takes away all the evil in the world, uh, all the things in our lives that we think are evil and aren't good and aren't part of God's perfect plan. He comes and he takes away. Uh, and we get to live in his newly established, fully established kingdom where only good and life and light prosper. This is a story that reminds us that our life can feel hard and disjointed. We can think uh, that God isn't doing what we think God should be doing. We can be tempted to take matters into our own hands. But that the sower, God, has an ultimate plan. He sees everything. The sower hasn't forgotten about the fields. The sower um, has it in his mind every day and he's waiting for the right time to harvest it. I need that story for me now when, um, when wedding planning feels difficult when I feel uh, overwhelmed by trying to work out what caterers to have or what bands to have, and life feels overwhelming and hard, I need to know that there'll be a day, although it's hard to imagine it now, when wedding planning doesn't happen anymore. 
but it's finished. Maybe uh, for you, you've had... Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is... Um, I, I was best man at a wedding last weekend, and this is the bride's parents on the front row. It's a pleasure to have you with us. They know what wedding planning is like. Mercy upon you. They, um, maybe you've had uh, a really difficult week. Uh, maybe things at, at work or at home didn't go quite like you wanted them to. Maybe um, someone is ill or sick, or maybe you're, you're unemployed and you're struggling with that, and it feels like there's an evil. It feels like there's weeds in your field of weeds. Uh, and you're tempted to, to lose patience with God. Uh, you're tempted to take matters into your own hands and try and sort it yourself. But, but the voice of the sower is saying, wait. This passage reminds us to trust in God. For the areas of our life where we feel like nothing is as it should be, we're invited to trust in God and trust in his plans. So we're going to take uh, a few minutes now just to be really quiet just to be still and rest before God. Maybe you want to, to close your eyes. Maybe you want to put your hands out in front of you. Martin's going to play quietly behind us just, just to help us concentrate. What are the areas in your life where life feels difficult? Where in your, your field of wheat, it feels like there are weeds. I want to invite you to bring them before God now. The parts where you feel like you've lost trust in God. You want to do it yourself, take it into your own hands, but the sower says, wait and trust. Because there will be a day when it all gets sorted. There is a relief and a release coming. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come and fill this place. Come and be with us and rest on us. Jesus, we recognize the, the pain and the hardness that weeds can give us. But we decide to trust in you today, Jesus. to take communion in a, a little while. Uh, for those of you who, because that's what God's saying to you, he's calling you to trust in him more. Why don't you take communion today as an act of trust in him? Say, God, life isn't exactly like I hoped it would be. It feels like there are weeds in a field of wheat, Jesus, but that you choose to trust him today as you come to his table. <laughs>